Hello everyone, welcome to the Logical Podcast. My name is River Villy and I'm the host of this podcast. And today I'm going to be reviewing and recapping Bullet Train. If it's your first time here, welcome to the show. Welcome to the uh, podcast that talks a lot about movies. Um, I usually actually have a couple of other guys that join me on this podcast, but today I'm on my own like good old times. Um, were they good old times? I don't know if they were good old times, but they were our time, let's say that. Uh, it was good for me, I guess, because it was the first time I either started a podcast. But anyway, I don't want to bore you with the historic details here. I'm here to just give you uh, my thoughts, my impressions, and my overall review and recap on Bullet Train. <clears throat> Um, so Bullet Train is a movie that came out in August 5th, I believe. Um, at least it came out here in Australia on August 5th. And this is um, an interesting movie because I, I I hesitated watching this movie. When I saw the trailer, didn't really think the trailer was great. I thought it was a cheesy action film that Brad Pitt was probably, for the first time, throwing in the towel. Maybe not the first time throwing in the towel. Has he thrown in the towel in previous in his other films? Not can't really think of any other films that are kind of B grade for Bear Pit. But anyway, I saw the trailer for this and I just thought it was a kind of cheap shot at futuristic, funny, um, action comedy, all that kind of stuff. You know, just kind of throwing everything at the kitchen, throwing the whole. What's the expression I'm trying to think about? <laughs> throwing the kitchen sink is for him. Um, trying to say and I didn't think it was uh, a good trailer at all I, I thought it was really really cheap and I hesitated to go see it but then after after I think the first two weeks of its release I had heard multiple accounts that this movie is really enjoyable and very entertaining and River you should go see it you should definitely definitely consider going seeing it so because of those kind of accounts um, me and my partner decided to um just go see it and we went and saw it on Tuesday night um kind of very cautiously optimistic about whether this movie was going to be enjoyable or not but oh my goodness I was wrong I was wrong um we both um <laughs> were kind of wrong I, I think we both had the same impression about the trailer didn't think it was going to be a very good time but man we were proven 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 wrong immensely and so we thoroughly enjoyed it so that my first impression of this movie is thoroughly enjoyed it absolutely a good time highly recommended to a lot of people um it's still in the cinema in australia at least i'm not sure about the united states or canada or wherever you're listening from um i'm not sure if it's still out but it did get a release um <clears throat> in australia on august 5th um so it's it's been around for a few weeks already <clears throat> um hasn't actually done very well in the box office unfortunately um, it has a budget, or had a budget, I should say, of $90 million, and it's only managed to make $235 million, and the box office is worldwide. Uh, the domestic box office actually is only $100 million, so um, not not doing great in box office um, in terms of these, you know, sort of it's been three, four weeks, almost four weeks um, since this movie has been out. Um, since this recording, um, actually, no, I'm totally wrong. We're in September right now. <laughs> no, we're in October. Jeez, where am I going? Um, it's been out for a while and <laughs> it hasn't actually done well in the box office. So I think it's box office is definitely being, um, impacted by the negative reviews that it's getting from critics. Um, 
critics haven't really uh, given this a overly positive um, review at all, which is kind of unfortunate because this is where I'd probably completely disagree with what the critics have to say on this film. Um, on the Rotten Tomatoes score, the audience score is about 70-something percent, which I totally agree. It, I would probably personally put it a little bit higher than 70 I'm trying to look for where I kept it. Here we go. Let me just bring this up here. So, yeah, um, the Rotten Tomato score for the audience, which is 5,000-plus verified ratings. That's a lot of people. It's 76 currently as of this recording. Um, The tomato meter for the critics is 317 reviews, and it's a 54% Rotten Tomato score, which is something I don't agree with at all. I think they're very, very wrong on this tomato tomato meter score. Um, obviously, I'm more on the audience score side, but I, I would actually, I'd probably give this movie a like eighty, like a, a mid eighties, maybe even a late eighties, um, Rotten Tomato percentage score. Like it's that good. It's actually that good. It's entertaining. It's thoroughly funny. There are no cheap shots at. Uh, one-liners um and if there are one-liners the one-liners are done like really well so i don't know what these guys are talking about um but before i get into the review before i get into the recap um i want to remind any of you guys if you if it's your if it's your second or third time back or if you're a regular listener like you're listening to every single episode um i want to remind you to hit the notification button on um if you're listening from spotify just hit the bell icon and you'll be able to get updates on when the next episode drops. Um, if you're listening on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, then make sure you also have the notification button on there so then you can um, constantly get annoyed by our ding-dong notifications. Um, but if it's your first time here, thank you so much for joining the podcast and showing your support by listening to these episodes, listening to me and some of my friends that always guest on the podcast nerd out about movies and TV series. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And um, thank you for sticking around before I get into the review and recap as well. I, w- I just want to go through a couple of the reviews from, um, from critics and also store, uh, audience reviews as well. So I'll just kind of give you a general idea about what the consensus is and, what are the critics saying? What are the audiences saying? Is that grammatically correct? What are the audiences saying? What is <laughs> what is the audience saying? All right, so uh, the critics' consensus right now, this is on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Um, this is just like a one-line consensus. I don't know if this is a good snapshot on what the consensus is, but I'll say it anyway. Bullet trains, colorful cast, and high-speed action are almost enough to keep things going after the story runs out of track. They're trying to be clever with their puns here. The audience consensus says, it could have been more entertaining ride. Oh, sorry, I should say, it could have been a more entertaining ride, but if you're in the mood for a decent thriller to, to pass time, bullet train will get you where you want to go. Now, okay, so... Obviously, it's a bit more positive. I still think it's kind of on the negative side of the consensus, which doesn't really line up with the 76% run to meta score. Um, to say that this movie is, if you're in the mood for a decent thriller to pass time, no, 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 no. This, this is not a movie to just pass time. This is not a movie to 
just have on in the background. This is not a movie to just it's not it's not a popcorn flick, although it, it can be in that sort of realm of popcorn flick. Um, it's much more than that. I think it's got substance. It's got coherence in its storytelling. It's got good performances. Yeah, it's good. It's very, very good. So let's get into it. All right, so um, uh, what is this movie about? Let's, let's actually start off with the director. The director is um, David Leach. Uh, he's kind of a new director. He's directed a couple of other movies, which I'm not going to really bring up at the moment, but he's Funny enough, he's actually originally a stuntman, and he was the stunt double for Brad Pitt on five of his films. Can't really name them right now, but apparently five of his films, he was stunt stunty for that. Um, and he was also a stunt double twice for Jean-Claude Van Damme. So this guy's got a lot of experience in film. He's got a lot of experience in, obviously, action. Um, and when you see the action sequences in this movie, you can you can totally dial it down to how skillful the, the nature of choreographing this uh, all the action sequences and it makes a lot of sense that it's coming from someone who has been a stunt double or has been a stuntee for the vast majority of his career so he's been around for a while um, makes sense that brad pitt is his like number one choice because he's worked with brad pitt five times i believe like one of the movies that he worked with on brad pitt worked with um <laughs> worked Brad, worked on jeez can't even like string my sentences um one of the movies or actually two of them was the oceans uh franchise oceans 11 and oceans 12 not sure if he'd done the other oceans movies but that's probably where their career started together both in a Brad Pitt. um and um it's actually produced by like, I usually don't really mention any of the producers, but it's actually produced by one of my favorite action directors working, still working today, Antoine Fuqua. So um, hopefully Antoine Fuqua brings out another movie soon because I, I love all the action movies that he's made. One of my favorites is actually um, Tears of the Sun and Shooter. Awesome, awesome, awesome action film. Maybe I should review those at a later date. But yeah, it's 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 uh, interesting to note that he is actually one of the producers of this film. So he probably obviously had a bit of a um, impact in or influence, I should say, on how this movie should be directed, how this movie should be sort of guided. I think um, his expertise in action films probably really helped this film, which would make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, uh, directed by David Leach, produced by. David Leach as well, and Anton Fuqua, and there's probably another name there as well too. Um, the movie, uh, the movie has a runtime of two hours and six minutes, and it does feel like it's a little bit longer. I don't say that necessarily is a bad thing. Um, it it feels like the movie's got a lot of like chunk to it, but like a lot of chewy, um, acceptable chunk. We usually use this expression in, um, in in film storytelling that when a story is too bloated, it's kind of fat, you know, it's flabby and doesn't quite have good flow. I think this is the kind of flab and chunk that you want, that, that you sort of accept because it's so well put together. Um, but yeah, more, more on that in the recap. Um, so yeah, just with the runtime of just over two hours, um, it's um, it's movie stars quite a lot of people. I mean, 
there's a lot of really good star actors. And this is kind of what I was worried about. I was worried about whether having too many star actors in this film would kind of bloat the story a bit. It, it, it might just uh, sort of overcrowd the screen time a bit. And you know, the, the trouble with having too many characters in one film is that there's not enough development on each of the actors or each of the characters that are presented on screen. So you can always kind of drown your story or drown your characters. You know, you, you sort of play the, the gaunt, like you run the gauntlet for characters um, that might not get enough time, underdeveloped, um, not really participating in a moving story, might stall the story, whatever it might be, right? All those kind of things are, are sort of the risks that you, that you take when you're having to put a lot of people into a movie. So um, that's a little bit of a concern. But however, the cast um, stars Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sanada. I didn't pronounce that correctly. Um, Michael Shannon, uh, Benito Martinez, Ocasio, and Sandra Bullock. Um I don't know if Sandra Bullock's supposed to be a spoiler, but yeah. So spoiler warning, like this is a full on spoiler podcast. <laughs> I'm always kind of doing these uh, reviews and recaps, um, uh, sort of presupposing or assuming, not presupposing, but assuming that everybody has already seen this. So um, uh, yeah, spoiler warning. Anytime you come on to listen to any of these episodes, um, you should know that, it's going to be full on spoilers. Uh, do I have a spoiler warning thing here? Let me see if I have a fun spoiler warning sound here. Oh, that's the Matrix. <laughs> okay, well, that's more like a transition. That's not really a spoiler. Anyway, um, spoiler warning. Um, so let's start talking about this movie. What is this movie about? Um, Bullet Train is about a movie. Bullet Train is about a character called Ladybug, um, who's an unlucky assassin who's determined to do his job peacefully after one too many gigs has gone off the rails. Fate, however, may have other plans as his latest mission puts him on a collision course with lethal adversaries from around the globe, all with connected yet conflicting objectives on the world's fastest train, a.k.a. the Bullet Train. That sounds like a bullet train. (laughs) Um, Yeah, pretty straightforward plot. um, Pretty fun plot, I think. And um, they really, really do deliver on this. Um, So we're going to walk through this film. We're going to recap the entire film. And we'll talk about segments um, during the recap. Okay, so how this recap goes, if this is your first time here, is that I sort of run through the film in obviously in a chronological way, but I run through this recap in the sense of breaking it down um, by the three-act structure, the classic three-act film structure, which is Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. And so at at some point, we'll finish off Act 1, then we'll get into Act 2, and then vice vice versa, and then so on, so on with uh, Act 2 to Act 3, and then a conclusion at the end, and I'll give my overall rating. I won't give a Rotten Tomatoes percentage rating, but I'll give it a out of 10. Classic out of 10 rating. All right, so let's get into this recap. 
So we start on we start off in modern day Tokyo, grieving father Yuchi Kimura seeks revenge after his son is pushed off a rooftop and is told to board a bullet train at the uh, to board a bullet train later in the night. Meanwhile, former assassin Ladybug, and this is Brad Pitt's character, after recently graduating from therapy, <laughs> is assigned to retrieve a briefcase from the same bullet train bound for Kyoto after the previous contract. Carver calls in sick from a stomach flu. <laughs> These are the kind of um, quirky, quirky tenets of... Uh, um, of the comedic element to this entire film. Comedy plays a huge role. It's almost like a character in and of itself in the film. And um, you, these kind of quirks about the guy Carver, who was like the previous, um, who was the assassin that was supposed to be doing this job because um, for what, you know, he was just the guy that was assigned to do the job, um, but he comes up with a stomach flu and this is like what they mention. And these are the kind of quirky things that they mention. Um, and the also the funny things that you learn about these characters too, because because every single character, as you would as you would start to um, find out, every single character has some kind of comedic arc to them, which is pretty hilarious. So you know, right off the bat, we're already um, being introduced to two characters. One that we don't ever really see; it's a character that's kind of off screen. Although we do see him at the end. <laughs> do we see him at the end? Yeah, we see him at the end, um, and that's a huge spoiler, but. Um, right off the bat, right in the beginning, after the really kind of somber, depressing, very low, moody opening sequence with um, this uh, father grieving his son who had been pushed off a rooftop, like it's a super moody, moody start. Like you don't think that this movie is going to be a um, a very kind of soft uh comedic fun action film like and an optimistic story you don't, you don't get that feeling at all so i was kind of taken aback when it opens up with this really dreary dreary uh a depressing hospital scene i actually thought to myself i was like i thought this was supposed to be a f- action comedy <laughs> but then you know straight after that scene um uh, it it the title credits open up with its like fluorescent neon lights and everything thing like that with this um, kind of upbeat music or upbeat song. I can't actually remember which song it was, but um, clearly not a memorable song, but it was some kind of upbeat song that was kind of juxtaposed or adjacent to kind of the mood that they set, the tone that they set right in that scene. So it was an interesting transition into what the movie turns out to be. Um, and then, like I said, like you, you already kind of get introduced to these characters. First one being Brad Pitt's character, Ladybug. The first, the first thing we learn about him is that he's coming out of therapy and he's wanting to have a change in his life. But now he's kind of caught in the situation where he has to finish off an assassin job. So it's it's a great, great start. Other than the um, depressing hospital scene, great, great start. Great first impression on what the movie turns out to be. Uh, so Ladybug is initially wary as his recent string of bad luck <laughs> during his jobs resulted in, in accidental deaths. Also on the train is a young woman can um, codenamed the Prince who attacked Yuchi's Uch- is it Yuchi's? Yeah. I'm just going to say Yuchi's. I apologize if it's not pronounced correctly, but I'm just going to say it. Um, who is attacked by Yuchi's son um, Wataru and two assassin brothers called Lemon 
and Tangerine, <laughs> who was assigned to escort both the briefcase and the son of a Russian-born Yakuza boss known as the, quote-unquote, White Death, who hired them due to their roles, to, due to their recent roles in a job in Bolivia. Now, this is also another cool introduction to two of my favorite characters. I mean, other than Ladybug, Ladybug's like a pretty favorite, it's pretty pretty hard to not be your favorite character, Ladybug, I can totally understand that, but my God, with Lemon and Tangerine, which is played by um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, they play awesome characters, Lemon and Tangerine, and we're, we're going to swing back to Lemon and Tangerine in a bit, you know, obviously we're going through the recap, we're going to always um, get to a point where we talk a bit more about them, but I just want to say off the bat, love these characters, awesome, such a good good time. Um, and you're kind of along for the ride at this point. Um, Ladybug steals the briefcase from Lemon and Tajarine, but is attacked by another assassin called the Wolf, who blames Ladybug for fatally poisoning his entire wedding party, <laughs> including his newlywed wife. Um, so the the first act is kind of filled with a lot of character ex- exposition. Not so much story exposition. Like this, the story exposition is laced in the character exposition. But I would say that the first act is is really just a huge character exposition dump, which I really, really love. I really enjoy. I think there was a lot of taste for execution for character exposition dump. Um, usually, the problem with bad exposition is that it's over exposition, and you're not really you're not really allowing the audience, or you're not really trusting the audience to to figure out certain things. But when it comes to characters, I think a movie like this requires a character exposition dump. Maybe not the entire character exposition, but it kind of requires quite a bit of it. You'd have to do a little bit of the heavy lifting instead of allowing the audience to do it because a movie like this is such a short runtime. They've got a lot to accomplish and you, you have to find different techniques in order for viewers to come along for the ride and and um, sort of connect with, with some of these characters because there's so many of them, right? So, so yeah, in in some some cases, character exposition or even story exposition is not a it's not a good thing per se. However, there are some ex- exceptions, which is in this case of a lot of characters, a lot to achieve by the end of the film, or even a lot to achieve by the midpoint of the film, um, and it kind of warrants uh, something like what you see in Act One here. So it's it's really cool. You, we've already read Ladybug, uh, Lemon, and Tangerine. Fun, fun characters. They all have similarities, which is this. Um, how would you? I think the similarities I find between Lemon, Tangerine, Lemon, Tangerine, and Ladybug is that they're all got um, comedic optimism. They all got comedic timing. They've all got they've all got something that they. To, they've got like a story to carry that they want to tell the rest of the world, which is for Ladybug, he wants to tell his story about his transformation going from being a deadly assassin who constantly has bad luck and he's going through this trans- transformative period. Um, and he's so new into this transformative period going into this assassin job and he's wanting to share that with the world, but he's also kind of uh, evangelizing in a way. You know, he's evangelizing that. To, to other people that 
they also probably should take the opportunity to change their lives as well. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's got a story to tell. Lemon and Tangerine, they also got stories to tell as well. Um, and we'll get a lot more into those stories a little bit later. After a brief fight, Wolf, Wolf's knife uh, throws, backfires, and results in his death. Now, uh, let me just talk a little bit about Wolf. So Wolf is um, he's played by Benito Martinez Ocasio, and he's a character that is unfortunately short-lived in the film, and he's definitely a character that you probably didn't need to have in this. Um. There, there, there are a, a few sequences. There are a few kind of story elements that didn't need to be in the film. And I feel like Wolf's story, if it wasn't in the film, the film would just be as good, I think. And I think his, his time on screen was kind of wasted. He's an interesting character. You know, he's a, he's a person that um, is on a revenge quest because um, somebody poisoned his wife and all the members of of the wedding congregation uh, they all got poisoned by something it was it's, it's a pretty horrific scene which which by the way i want to mention the the use of gore and violence in this it's very tasteful very creative it's not overboard it's 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 kind of a little bit of tarantino it's a little bit of uh you know sort of kind of kill bill tarantino kind of thing but it's not as crazy overboard as what tarantino would normally do and you would know what i i'm talking about if you're seen Tarantino films. So there's an element of that Tarantino-ness in the gore and the violence here, but it's, it's done with taste. Um, that's kind of the only way I can describe it. It's done with taste. And I think, I think a lot of it, okay, my camera just fell. <laughs> uh, sorry, we're back on board. Um, um, I think a lot of that tasteful energy just comes from the fact that uh, there's very coherent, filmmaking here yeah, there's very good use of camera work and very good use of um uh lighting cinematography all that kind of stuff i guess is kind of what helps with this tasteful nature of um uh gore and violence anyway so yeah that, that's a whole thing with the wedding sequence and everybody kind of violently gets poisoned like there's blood dripping out of all all holes that exist within your body there's blood dripping out it's it kind of bursts out almost like a vampire scene from like John Carpenter's vampires or something. It's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Anyway, so that whole scene happens and there's a little bit of backstory and there's a there's a connection. Like I'll give them that. There's a connection that they make with the poison that exists with with um the poison that is used to to poison him. Not him, sorry, the wife and the wedding party congregation. Um there's a link later on where somebody else is using the same poison. Right, right, right. But however, I think um them going into the whole sequence um, of like learning about um, Wolf's like kind of a little bit of his upbringing, like learning about how he kind of deals with gang members and stuff. It's it's all it's all kind of it's an attempt to tell a little bit of his character arc, but the, that none of that kind of contributes to any of his character that you see a little bit later on because it's like I said, it's short lived. Once he gets on the train, he has a kerfuffle with Ladybug, Brad Pitt, and that's kind of the end of him. So <laughs> so it's a little bit wasted, in my opinion. Uh, meanwhile, the prince reveals to Yuchi that she pushed his son off the roof to lure him to the train as part of an elaborate plan to assassinate the White Death. 
as well as the fact that she has a henchman holding his son hostage in the hospital with orders to kill him should anything happen to her. Now, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Prince here. So the Prince's character is, is, is a, it's a surprise element. Um, kind of figured out by the time it got to just after the midpoint that um, the whole story is pivoting or it's it's kind of yeah the whole story is like pivoting on um prince's story because prince is just a, a young daughter who is acting out of um abandonment really so she has abandonment issues she has father issues and a lot of the whole story is pretty much pivoting on her revenge towards her father because she's upset because she's she has daddy issues um i kind of saw that happen i saw i saw that was it was eventually going to get to that point after that midpoint of the film so um she's a cool character i mean i i enjoyed her performance i like um i love her um her presence uh, i think her her delivery her line deliveries were really cool um very very convincing to be a sort of um semi-sociopathic um psychotic um uh, kind of very vengeful attitude when she kind of switches on a dime. You know what I mean when you, if you're seeing the film. Um, but yeah, she's she's good in that respect. She's a good, good performer. Um, for some reason, I didn't, like find her character um, a, a highlight of the film. I think it's a highlight in the sense that she, her whole character, if it wasn't in the film, wouldn't be able to contribute or the story wouldn't be able to unfold the way it did because, like I said, it's all centered around her story and her story of wanting revenge for her father. So yeah, she's kind of cool. Um, I, I'm also into enjoy her interaction with lemon and tangerine. <laughs> and that's kind of the reason why I, I like her. Um, so uh, where are we? White death as well as the fact that she has uh, henchman holding. Yep. 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 Cool. We read that while lemon and tangerine search for the missing briefcase, because um, the the main I'm just going to stop again. Um, forgive me for stopping in the recap, but the the main MacGuffin of the story is a briefcase. Um, Lemon and Tajarine got a briefcase, and the, their job is to protect the son of the Russian warlord Yakuza equivalent, whatever you want to call him. Take the son. That's their job. Take grab the Yakuza Russian guy's son. Take him back to the Yakuza Russian guy, who's actually played by Marco Shannon's character, um, because that's that's their hit job, um, and part of their job was to also get the briefcase that was part of it too. Um, but then throughout the, I'm pretty sure it's the first act, Lemon and Tangerine um, lose the briefcase. Um, so, and the briefcase is actually uh, Brad Pitt's job, which is to get the briefcase uh, and deliver it to. I actually can't remember who was supposed to deliver the briefcase to. It's whoever he's working for on the phone, um, which is the person that's guiding him on the phone is Sandra Bullock's character, which is a nice little surprise at the end. I don't know why I didn't like pick out Sandra Bullock's voice. Because she doesn't have a very distinct voice, I guess. She kind of sounds like every other woman. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, where were we? The White Death Son is murdered similarly to Wolf's uh, wedding guest. So um, with the White Death Son on board, because Lemon and Tandri, as 
because they're so good, their reputation precedes them. Um, they're holding the son on the train, you know, in an attempt to deliver the son back to the father. Um, somebody ends up poisoning the son um, with the same kind of poison that happened in Wolf's uh, wedding, which is crazy. So this is where the connections start to sort of reveal itself a bit more. Um, Lemon, Lemon suspects that Ladybug killed the White Death's son, um, Brad Pitt's character, leading to a fight in which Lemon is knocked unconscious. Now, uh, I've got to talk about the fight scene between Lemon and Lemon and Ladybug. I think this fight scene is one of the most enjoyable parts of the film. It's funny. It's well choreographed. There's really there's there's really good selling points from both actors, both Brad Pitt and Brian Henry Tyree. Awesome, awesome performers. It did get to a bit where I was like, oh, okay, the, the comedy is probably dragging a little bit. Maybe you should stop it there. And, I, and that's kind of when the scene stopped. But uh, other than that, I have no criticisms and qualms about that scene. But the scene is so great. I just love the fact that there's great use of um, all the resources and tools around them. There's the laptop. There's the bottle of water. <laughs> there's, I don't know. They, they use a lot of stuff that's just within their vicinity, you know, on board a train like what else would you have nearby you on a train you'd have maybe a pen a napkin i don't know but it was just such a really well thought out and brilliant piece of entertaining entertainment for action between the two of them it was awesome it was really rough and rugged there wasn't a lot of like high skilled maneuvers because they're in a confined space so how do you utilize these fun characters or also got experience in fighting and assassination how do you utilize them in, in such a way that they're confined to a space how would they really behave in the situation when it's stressful but because they're trained and and experienced they know how to manage that stress and so i love the the break points between them having to be quiet on on the train by some old lady at the front of the carriage who kept turning around saying shh and they also kind of buy buy into um or just like you know just respectfully um try and be quiet while they're sort of roughing up in the in the middle of the train so it's, it's, a, it's a very very fun scene i loved it um while lemon and tangerine um search for the missing briefcase the white dear son is murdered oh sorry i already uh said that part <laughs> Let's move on to the next part. Um, the prince and Yuchi find the briefcase and body trap, uh, body trap in with explosives to kill the White Death, as well as the rigged gun as a second precaution. Ladybug encounters Tangerine and kicks him off the train, but he manages to climb back on board. A suspicious lemon shoots and injures Yuchi, but collapses after drinking water spiked with a sleeping drug. <laughs> so. Before this scene, might have been like a few scenes before this, but Brad Pitt's character Ladybug drugs or puts the sleeping um, powder into one of the uh, bottles of water. And the bottle, uh, the bottle of water is also another one of those really cool, um, not quite a MacGuffin thing, but it's 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 like a plot device for the characters to excel and de-accelerate. Is that a word? Yeah, <laughs> to accelerate and de-accelerate deaccelerate um there's a lot of these kind of props like that's that's actually what i'm trying to say the use of props in this film is so well utilized it's uh, it's one of the better films that has a good use of props like you you know a, you know 
a film is really good in that regard when you start thinking about, wow, the use of props is really, really good. Um, I'm sort of thinking about that scene where the where it's Tangerine and Ladybug having that fight in the uh, food preparation area. Is it, yeah, the food preparation area where the, the wardens um, are preparing all the food to take out into the cart, into the, into the trains, into the carriages. So... And and that confine also another confined space. Obviously, it's a it's a train. Another confined space. The you the the way they utilize the whole their surroundings by opening the cupboards, getting everything out of the cupboards, throwing it at each other. Um, and I love how they they also have sort of a breaking point here as well between the two because they respectfully just stop fighting when one of the wardens walks through, and one of the wardens is you know very very respectful, gentle, and um. Uh, very, very professional Japanese lady, you know, who's just doing her job and, and they respect for it as well. And so they take a little bit of a time out. Um, one of my favorite moments is when she offers sparkling water or something to Brad Pitt's character and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sparkling water. Yeah, and this is like right in the middle of them having this big fight together <laughs> because they're trying to obviously not expose that they're fighting on the train. Um uh, they have this break, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, I have, I have sparkling water." This, this, this also makes sense because it's playing into his character. He's trying to, he's trying, he's going through this transformative moment. So, for him to make the decision to have, to say yes to sparkling water is golden. Um, and then, and then he turns around and says, "Oh, I don't have any money. Could any ask Tangerine to pay for it?" <laughs> just that that exchange between the two characters is hilarious because Tangerine is just so hot headed. And you know he's he's such a meticulous um, assassin. Um, he's a get the get the shit done kind of guy. You know he doesn't he doesn't mess around. And so you can see how annoyed he is on his face, but he's also very respectful at the fact that he can't really fight when it's going to be exposed to people like this lady. Um, and so he ends up paying for the <laughs> bottle of water. Oh, it's just it's such a funny moment and. This is kind of what I mean with the comedy and the action so well put together in this film. It's just, it's awesome. I don't know why people didn't like that. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, a suspicious lemon shoots here. We've got that. The prince shoots lemon and, yeah, sorry. The prince shoots lemon and stashes him in Yuchi in a bathroom. Ladybug encounters yet another assassin, the Hornet, who poisoned the White Death's son and Wolf's wedding party with bloom, Boomslang Venom. Oh, that's what the Venom is called, Boomslang. So this is the connection now. We're sort of swinging back to that connection we'll tell you about with um, Wolf's uh, untimely death. Um, the person who's been in this, like, I don't know what you call those big Japanese doll thingies. It's like a name for him. It's it's kind of, you know, there's that whole kind of like weeb culture or something, anime. I don't know. <laughs> I'm out of it's out of my warehouse here. Um, it's a big kind of Japanese doll thing, and there was a there's obviously a person under there, and I always suspected that there was going to be a key person to the story under there. And it turns out it's, um, uh, it's a character called Hornet, who is played by, um, who is Hornet played by? What was her name again? Her name, let me see here, Z- Zazie Beats. How can you forget Zazie Beats? Zazie Beats, I first saw Zazie Beats on uh, Deadpool, Deadpool um, and she was great. And so it was a nice little surprise that when she t- 
takes off the the big costume, the big fluffy animal costume, whatever it is. Um, that it's her playing a character called Hornet, who is the one's responsible for poisoning everybody with boom slang, which is a venom from a snake. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, pretty pretty crazy. Um, after struggling. After a struggle, after struggling, after a struggle during which they are both exposed to the venom, Ladybug steals her anti-venom to save himself, leaving her to die. This is this is also another funny, funny, hilarious uh, action scene between Ladybug and um, uh, Hornet. A great, great scene. Um, and and there's just a lot of these kind of action sequences that um, make sense because the characters are running to each other running into each other for the first time and there's conflict in their um, passing. That conflict has got to do with what they're after and they're all after slight different things, but it's all got to do with um, uh, their own jobs that are interconnected all revolving around this Russian Yakuza type character. Uh, so yeah, this, this fight scene between Hornet and Ladybug is freaking hilarious. I just love, I, I, again, great use of set, great use of resources and props around them really good use of lighting too um really rhombus and kind of shocking action especially in this part and it's it's kind of funny and scary when you get to zazie beats and she gets injected by the venom herself um because brad pitt ladybug um injects her with the with the venom (laughs) but he gets injected too and then i think like (laughs) the way he does the switcheroo kind of thing because she gets out the anti-venom, but he quickly snatches it off her and then puts it into his to his own neck so that he gets anti-venom. And it's I, I just love like the demise of her death and the way she slowly dies with, you know, all her um, pretty much her entire blood, uh, the same way that everybody else died. And Brad Pitt's character because he's going through this transformative <laughs> time in his life, he's very apologetic. He's like. Saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, do you need something? Can I get you anything? <laughs> it's it's a great scene. It's it's another great, great, great scene. Tangerine runs into the prince and realizes that she shot Lemon, but Ladybug attacks before he can shoot her, killing Tangerine with his gun. This was I honestly wasn't expecting um Tangerine to die. I really wasn't. This was kind of sad. It's a good death. If, if death can be good in film, it can be good. It can be tasteful and creative. Believing, uh, believing the prince to be innocent, Ladybug agrees to protect her. Yuchi's father, the elder, boards the train, and this is uh, the yeah the. I thought he was the grandfather when we first meet him at the, f- at the start of the film. That's part of that dreary scene that opens up the movie. Um, that's played by Hiroyuki Sanada, I think. Is it? I should check. Hiroyuki Sanada. It is the guy that's Scorpion. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he comes back into the he comes back into the picture after so long. We haven't seen him since the opening scene. Um, he boards the train and sees the prince is is lying and informs her that Yuchi's son is safe, as an undercover bodyguard had killed the prince's operative. After she flees, the elder tells Ladybug he is seeking revenge against the white death who killed his wife while taking over his yakuza clan they discover that yuchi and lemon are still alive and the four work together to face the white death and so this is this last part it's yeah it's the final act of the it's not the last last part but it's 
pretty much the last part. It's like the final act of a film. This is where the film starts to kind of lose a little bit of its momentum for good, all that kind of high energy, upbeat storytelling that they had throughout the entire film kind of slows down quite a bit in this last part when Michael Shannon shows up. <laughs> it's still cool. It's still in line with the story. I'm st- it's still part of the tone. It's still obviously part of the world. But I just feel like this is where it kind of it switches gears and kind of not in a very comfortable not overly comfortable way. It just feels like the the shift is is very noticeable, um, and yeah, it's it's just something that I kind of picked up. Set the yeah, it was it was moving a little bit slow. And the only thing that was kind of keeping it upbeat or keeping it a little bit more in like consistent with um, the rest of the film is Ladybug is uh, Brad Pitt. He's really carrying the last parts of this movie. Um, at Kyoto, Ladybug gives the briefcase to the White Death. The prince revealed to the White Death's estranged daughter tries to goad him into shooting her with Yuchi's rigged gun, but she fails. The White Death explains the White Death explains that every assassin on the train, as well as his son, were responsible in some way for the death of his wife, with the exception of the wolf and Ladybug, who was hired to replace Kava. <laughs> so there's crossfire kind of characters like wolf and especially ladybug um who are not actively trying to to be a part of this corrupt family messed up family situation um that is also kind of causing uh havoc and grief on everybody else um the white death's henchmen open the booby trapped briefcase which explodes knocking ladybug and the white death back into the train the white death's remaining henchmen board and battle the assassins their fight causes the train to hurtle out of control and crash into a downtown Kyoto. Um, so I, I think this whole the whole scene with the Yakuza showing up with all the masks and stuff, some of those characters, they also have voices. They also like humanize some of these masked characters, which is kind of cool. It plays into the whole theme and the tone of the movie. But again, it was like it kind of lost a little bit of its um, momentum and I think Michael Shannon's character was pretty boring. <laughs> He's clearly not the star of the show because we don't actually meet him until like the last 10 minutes or whatever it is. It might have felt like a little bit um, shorter than t- – or longer – shorter? Shorter than 10 minutes maybe. But his character was kind of meh. And it, I, he definitely wasn't believable as a Russian dude. It's like, come on. You could have just found – you could have just cast like a Russian actor. Why get Michael Shannon – who had this like really lame, weak Russian accent? Definitely wasn't believable. <laughs> general Zod, yes, he's a good General Zod, but is he a Russian yakuza type thing? Because we learn his backstory throughout the film. You know, his backstory is that he's a Russian guy who's kind of been inculcated with the yakuza um, culture, and what am I trying to say? Yakuza culture and. Uh, I was going to say um, values, but what what values do they have in Yakuza? Killing people. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so he's we learned that backstory. He's some kind of Russian guy that's been part of the Yakuza since he was young. And the elder has also been a part of that same training system, training camp that Michael Shannon's character was part of. So, yeah, that's the connection between the elder, the, the son at the beginning, the son getting pushed off, which was pushed off by the prince and Radara. It's all nicely sort of 
brought together and tied up into a nice bow by the end of it. But the, the only kind of letdown is that the last scene with the Yakuza and Marco Shannon's character, it's, it's a bit slow and it's like, and it's movement ironically, because the bullet train is still going at like a million miles an hour. Um, but yeah, it just, it just feels a little kind of clunky and this character is pretty meh. Unfortunately, sorry, Marco Shannon, if you're listening to this, like you would be listening to this. <laughs> um, Emerging from the wreck, the White Death tries to shoot Ladybug, but is killed by the red gun. Um, th- this is this was kind of the cool little tie-up catch with the whole gun contraption that the prince, the daughter, um, had had in mind for a long time, and so um, she never sort of saw it through. Um, but this was another one of those things where uh, Ladybug, Brad Pitt's character, was dodging all sorts of bullets um, when it comes to having bad luck. And I think the gun was one of them. And it eventually fell into the correct hands or the correct uh, suspect, villain, whatever, which was um, intended for uh, the Yakuza Michael Shannon fake Russian. (laughs) The prince threatens Ladybug, Yuchi, and the outer, but is suddenly struck and killed by a passing truck later revealed to have been driven by Lemon, avenging Tangerine's death in the process. Ladybug's handler Maria arrives to retrieve him as he celebrates finally getting off the bullet train. One of the cool things about Ladybug's character, Brad Pitt's character, is that he was on a mission to... His whole thing, his whole mission was about redemption redeeming his life for all the wrongs of the past and also get away from his assassin, assassin, <laughs> assassin like behavior and lifestyle. And he, he, he was searching for peace. That's a story that he wanted to tell. He was searching for peace. And part of his objectives was to really just get off this train. He gets to a point in the film where he just doesn't care about this mission anymore. He doesn't care about this briefcase. He's, just fed up he's tired he wants transformation and one of the key things to his character being very entertaining is that he has that objective of getting off the train and that participates in what he should be doing or what he's supposed to do or what can he do next and why should he why should he do why should he do certain things and it really influences decision making throughout the whole process of getting off the train um and then, so finally, when we get to that last shot where he celebrates the act of getting off the bullet train is also a metaphor for his transformation, his, his coming into completion by the time he gets off that train. So him being on the train is, is a metaphor for his character being on this journey that he eventually needs to get off, which is going from an assassin to being a peacekeeping, love, tree-hugging person. <laughs> um Awesome, awesome character arc, and I and I have to say it's, it's definitely one of the more enjoyable Brad Pitt characters, and one of the more enjoyable Brad Pitt films that I've seen in a very, very long time. It was, it was really, really, really good. So that's the whole recap. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the film as much as I did. Like I really, really, really enjoyed this, and I, I think I'm definitely going to put it in top five of 2022 films. It's actually not that hard. There's not a lot of great 2022 films. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely my top five. Top five for 2022. 
Um, what the what rating would I give this? I'd probably give Bullet Train. I'd probably give it like eight point five out of ten. Eight point five out of ten. I think that's a very fair, fair rating in my opinion. Eight point five out of ten. Um, and if you enjoyed this uh, this episode, if you enjoyed this review and recap, again, please consider to hit the notification button and um, let me know what you want to hear me and the rest of my mates uh, review and recap um, on this podcast. Because, like you know by now, we love film just as much as you do. Um, love film, love television. Don't do a lot of television series on here, but definitely, definitely a lot of film. Huge Marvel nerds, huge Marvel fans. You can see a lot of those Marvel episodes um, in the uh, Spotify catalog or whatever you're listening from. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you being here. And hope to catch you on the next episode.